WA Little Rock Public Radio, this is The Art Scene. I'm Daniel Brain. It's nearly summer, and after more than a year indoors, we're all itching to get out on the road. But if you're planning a road trip, you're probably not researching each roadside stop, each gas station, each hole-in-the-wall restaurant you may happen upon. But for Black Americans in the Jim Crow South, travel was a potentially life-threatening pursuit. But one book served as the guiding light for Black travelers, listing the interconnected web of safe spaces all across the South. Now for the first time, Arkansans will get a chance to view a Smithsonian traveling exhibition all about that life-saving tome, the Negro Motorist Green Book. At downtown Little Rock's Mosaic Templars Cultural Center, you'll read the story and see the artifacts from this point in history, beginning with the original Green Book published by Victor Hugo Green in 1936. Mosaic Templars curator Courtney Bradford is our guest this week. She talks about her own personal connection to the Green Book and her experience in bringing that history to life in a museum that was once part of a thriving black business district here in Arkansas's capital city. The exhibit runs until August 1st. actually in anthropology, African and African American studies, as well as um, public history, which is the museum field. Um, I have experience um, coming from Historic Arkansas Museum as well as working at the the Clinton Presidential Library. Um, I've been the curator here since November, and it has been so exciting to to really see this um, Green Book exhibition come together under under me, (laughs) which was um, such a big task. The Smithsonian is so big and it's so major so for this to be my first exhibit under my belt it's really it's really impressive and it's really exciting and it's an exciting time to be the curator what an introduction to your new job to uh right have to to curate a smithsonian exhibit um Mm -hmm. i am interested in that um that relationship i guess between the mosaic templars and uh the smithsonian so when we um were accredited that really opened us up to be able to have different exhibits um come through and so no knowing that the smithsonian is what, what I like to call the mother of, of the museums here in our country. Um, so when they say that we can get something that's very major, um, so this has been this has been in the works for several years now. So before I even came, um, the talks about the Green Book were being had, and um, so far um, the working experience with the Smithsonian has been amazing. Um, they're going above and beyond to assist us with this, to make sure that the show is one that not only uh, the Little Rock and the Central Arkansas area enjoys, it, it will be something for the entire state to see. Before we uh, talk about it any further, I think just for anyone who may not know, what, what is or what was the Green Book? What what purpose did that serve? Yes, and so the Negro Motorist Green Book um, was founded by Victor Green. He was um, a postman, and this is... Um, during the time of segregation, and so people, um, more specifically African Americans, are wanting to go out and travel across the United States. And so with that, of course, they would need to have – 
you know, access to what facilities that they could use. So, you know, restaurants, hotels, you know, safe places that they could travel to that they could, you know, be serviced. And so <clears throat> Mr. Green went along all over the country and they're listing these businesses. And so people, when they decide to travel, they can carry this green book with them. And let's say they're traveling through Arkansas and they need a guest. You could see, let's say, A.C. Lewis's um, SO service station is one that you can stop at and get gas and you they would have to serve you and they were welcoming to the african-american community right and i think it's uh fascinating you mentioned arkansas specifically because of course you know arkansas was a state that lived under jim crow and had segregation mm-hmm. in, in full force um i guess what was the process because you're uh you and your job are sort of tasked with taking this national exhibit but also putting a, a spin of Arkansas on it. I guess mm-hmm. what was that process like for you? To... I know I know. Um, before I came here, Velvet Text was something that the Smithsonian um, looked at. And so actually within the Smithsonian exhibit, there there is Velvet Text material that, that comes from our collection. So we're really proud of that. Um, and as I was looking through the material and thinking about different things that I knew, um, I started thinking about my personal family history and uh, my uncle, who is A.C. Lewis, uh, or who was oh, wow. he? She passed away um, before I was born. But I remember, of course, they still have the service station, but my cousins were telling me about, you know, the fact that he had this Esso gas station and the importance of the gas station. So he founded his gas station in 1949, and it is going to be featured in the exhibit along with um, some other materials like his um his uniform that he would have wore at his gas station, um, his lab coat that he wore, you know, to change oil, as well as um, pictures from um, the SO service station and um, from the Green Book itself. And so I was like, we gotta, we have to add this to it. And so speaking with the Smithsonian and telling them about, you know, all this information, they, they were like so excited um, for me to, I guess, curate my little portion of this Arkansas history to go alongside their exhibit. So it's something I'm very proud of that we've been working really hard, hard to do. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I had no idea you're, you're so very personally connected to this yeah. exhibit. <laughs> Yes, yes. That's how I was able to grab it. I, I know if there was not a connection between me and, let's, let's say, the Lewis's, like I said, they're my family, um, this story would not have been told. Um, it would have been a story, I mean, in the exhibit, it does speak on the SO gas stations, but I really like the fact that we can pinpoint and say, hey, yes, we had service stations here in this area, and this is, you know, that information and, and the different artifacts that we've collected from this service station. Right, and certainly if you are you know, a member of the public and you're going to see this exhibit, you'll get to learn a, a little bit about it. But I am just really curious as to you and your understanding of, of your family's story. Uh, I guess, what what did you all talk about? Or did you guys ever talk about that? Um, the fact that your your uh, uncle was sort of the, the safe space, as it were, here in Arkansas? He, I would say my cousins, they, they let me know that um, <clears throat> because this service station was located, it was located in North Little Rock. Um, the first one was located um, Ninth and Locust, and the second one was located at the bottom of the bridge next to Shorter College. And um, he said that mostly the people in the neighborhood um, would visit the service station, regardless of race, black or white. They would come to my uncle's service station. It was um, very tidy and neat. And along with that, he sponsored um, softball teams. So he was a very he was very community based. And um, like I said, the name the Lewis name is still very well known in North Little Rock. Um, like I said, the businesses started in 1949, but even today, um, his sons still 
run um, the business, the family business. And you mentioned sort of the the, the artifacts that you would see from your your family, um, mm-hmm. you know, the things that your uncle would wear while he was working in the service station, things yes. like that. Yes, we do have his clothes, and we and the pictures. And I say it's amazing to me. Uh, to me, it's just that's my family. But a lot of the pictures that we see were hanging, you know, in their offices. So if people walked into, you know, their service station, you would see these pictures here. And then some of them, you know, they dug up. And um, like one of the most important pictures that we have on display is one of them, um, all of the franchisees and their um, conference. And so it's very important because the SO uh, brand was the only one that allowed for African-Americans to franchise into their business. And you'll see um, in the photograph that there are only three African-Americans in this area. And the area included Arkansas, Louisiana, and and Tennessee that were only three African-Americans were franchisees. And my uncle was one of them. And so we have the the picture of everyone sitting at this conference table, you know, during their meeting, and it's it's very significant, very significant. Yeah, that's that that really kind of speaks to you know when you uh, you know here living today, maybe if you haven't lived through that time, like you're thinking mm-hmm. of the Green Book and you're thinking of it as sort of like, you know, this loose collection of safe spaces, pretty much around mm-hmm. the South. But it it sounds like like what you're just saying, like it does seem like more of a a network, like an interwoven. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. Thing. That's that, that's really good that you put it that way. Yes, it's it's like a network, and it's you know. So if we decided we wanted to travel, we had to make sure that we had our little booklet that you know guide us to our network, to our safe spaces, like you said. So the hotels, the gas stations, the even the beauty salons and the barber shops are included in the green book as well. And I was just wondering, like the the physical objects that you were talking about from your family. I guess what will we be seeing a lot of other similar things yes. like that. Oh, yes. There are a lot of artifacts. Um, I know there are artifacts that come from restaurants, like, you know, different plates. One of the biggest um, attractions that we'll have is actually a neon sign um, that comes from a restaurant by the name of Sutherland's. And so um, that is a very large, a 13-foot long sign that we will have on display. It will be plugged up in our museum, as well as other um, neon fixtures from different restaurants. Um, The actual Green Book will be here as well. So that's a big thing. You'll all be able to see that. As well as lots of photographs and a lot of interactive um, things that people can can interact with, touch, and play with, and really learn and truly see the journey that these people had to take when they decided that they wanted to see our country and some of the things that would have come across, like sundown towns and um, making sure that, you know, you, you weren't in this area after the sun came down and even coming across the KKK um, and then coming across um, people that, look like you and inter- interact in the way that you do. Um, so it's a very interesting journey. And the way that the exhibit is set up, it is set up in um, into seven sections. And it, it allows you to go on the journey from the south to the north to from the, to the east to the west. And so we're covering the entire United States. Um, I will say that, you know, there were over 10,000 businesses or associations that were advertised in the Green Book. And this exhibit is not all-encompassing, but it does kind of give you an idea so if you if you know of a Green Book site that is not mentioned in the exhibit, it is not because it was not important. It was, wasn't because it did not exist. It's just whatever are the curator who was Candace Taylor, um, she was able to you know collect those artifacts when she went around the country looking for these sites. 
yeah, there are some limits to it. You can't include literally. Yeah, everything. we can't get them. Yeah, we can't get them all. And so, because some of the sites also are no longer here. Like there are quite a few sites here in our central Arkansas area that are no longer here. So we know that they were here, but we we have them listed, and there is a, a portion at the end of the exhibit that actually lists a good portion of those uh, of those businesses that were not um, featured within the exhibit. Right, and you mentioned the um, sort of the layout of the exhibit, and I was just wondering from your standpoint as a curator, uh, I guess maybe how much leeway are you given because this is a traveling exhibit to to sort of rearrange things as to mm-hmm. as best you see fit, you know, to fit your space. We there was a lot of leeway um, being done um, because typically this exhibit would normally be on one level, and because of the size of the exhibit, we've had to break it up into two levels. And um, then kind of rearrange things that way. It, it has been so fun working with the designer um, to create this space, to create this mood and ambiance that you all will see when you enter into the space. And I'm so proud to say that I assisted with designing and lighting and things of that nature um, when it comes to the Smithsonian. But it, it was a lot of different quirks we had to work out and to finally see it come into fruition and to see how the public takes it in that's that's what i'm ready to see that's what's really exciting to me (laughs) yeah and i am curious what what are your i guess perceptions of the tone and ambiance what do you feel when you're seeing it because it's it's uh obviously a historical record and um at least what i've seen the the few pictures i've seen from the exhibit um, you know, it, it is kind of a juxtaposition between, you know, mm-hmm. people who are happy, people who are, you know, mm-hmm. running their businesses and feeling safe in the moment, but also the, you know, like you said, the pictures of Jim Crow laws and segregation mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, I'm just wondering what, what sort of emotions it strikes up it's in you. All of, it's all of those. All of those that you said, it's, it's the celebration because we'll, we'll see um, wedding pictures. Um, we'll see, you know, ladies at the beach. That's one of my favorite photos is um, a group of ladies getting ready to head to the beach. And um, and then you do see the KKK. And it, I guess it it for me, it's it's truly a journey. It's going through and going through all of those emotions and going through all those things that, you know, some people had to face um, simply if they wanted to um, travel and enjoy themselves, like going to the beach. Um I would say the second floor, the tone will be set completely different. Once you get off the elevator, um, the tone is different. That's what I would say. <laughs> it's a, I don't want to give away too much because that's, that's, that's the exciting part to be like, oh, wow, when you see it. But it is a very different tone um, from the first floor to the second floor. But I truly believe that the patrons um, – they will take it all take it all in and they will be able to come out of this exhibit changed um more knowledgeable of travel more um thankful and grateful that as African Americans we um for the most part can travel this country freely now um even though you know there's still sundown towns across our country and even here in Arkansas for the most part we're able to travel freely and not necessarily have to deal with worrying about are we in the right town did we pull up to the right business you know so i'm excited for people to see that because talking to some people some people know about the green book and then some people don't know about it so this is like a big opportunity for people in our area to see this um, because 
it's not going to come back um, this way, which is on this side of the United States again. It was previously at the Civil Rights um, Museum, and after it leaves us, it's going to come go to California. And so I don't believe it's coming back to the South. So I'm really excited um, that we're able to, to host this beautiful, beautiful exhibit. This is The Art Scene from UA Little Rock Public Radio. I'm Daniel Breen. We're speaking with Courtney Bradford, curator of Little Rock's Mosaic Templars Cultural Center. She's giving us a preview of the Smithsonian's traveling exhibit, The Negro Motorist Green Book, on display at Mosaic Templars until August 1st. I think it is interesting that the, the conversation about the Green Book has, you know, sort of resurged in, in the past few years. Um, and I guess my my question is, why do you think people should see this exhibit now? What what sort of new context is this in today? I believe there's so much, there's so many things happening, you know, politically, um, and history just, it keeps repeating itself. And um, I think, I believe it was a couple of years ago, the movie Green Book came out. And I'm not, I haven't seen the book Green Book, but um, I heard it had, you know, little, little nuances on like the actual Green Book. Um but it's so important for people to actually, I say, get the true information because we could talk about it all day. Um, but instead of reporting the misinformation, now we know the importance of that and the importance of where we see the development of black businesses. Because even today, like I said, in context to my uncle, you know, their business is still going. The Velvetex Beauty College is still happening <laughs> Um here in this area, um, Dubison Funeral Home, that was, on the, that was in the Green Book as well, is still here. And so it's the importance of, of honoring um, and recognizing black businesses. Um, <clears throat> it, it's, it's just so important now. And then it makes it even, even neater because we're housed, we're here um, in what was once the black business district. So that makes it even more special that it's here. And it's so important for people in this area um, to remember what it was like down here on 9th Street and to kind of see where this story fits into our story as well. And then maybe maybe there'll be a resurgence of the Black Business District. Who knows? <laughs> but, you know, it's, I've noticed that Black businesses, are they're, they're resurging, the importance of them, and they're popping up everywhere. So kind of to see your origin, to see um, these people be creative and give to the, their communities and be innovative and to be self-determined um, to have these things for themselves. I don't mean to like put you on the spot and make you tell me <laughs> the history of this, but I, I I think a lot of people probably would hear this, and if they didn't know about the history of Little Rock, they'd say well, there was a black business district here. You know? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. yes, yes, there was one on Ninth Street, so Ninth and Broadway. So we're located Ninth and Broadway, and um, this area and even where Six Thirty is today was a part of the black business district. So there were movie theaters, um, pharmacies barbershops, like anything that you can think of was down here on the street. I know if you come down here, it's hard, it's really hard to believe. It's really hard to imagine that it was here. And so one special thing that we will be doing is a walking tour. It's a walking tour. Um, our community um, liaison will be giving a walking tour down 9th Street and pointing out the different areas where um, the black businesses were located before um, – 630 came came in and kind of destroyed this area. And so what we what's still here, of course, the mosaic, and then we have Taborian Hall, um, which was built by um, the Knights of Tabor, which is, of course, the Dreamland Ballroom. 
And so those are those little, I say, things that we can still point out and say, hey, at least those buildings are still there or intact in some kind of way. And um, so when we open this exhibit next Thursday, that was one of the biggest things that we wanted to do is to throw a party, like a black party, to kind of celebrate black businesses. So there will be um, vendors from different black-owned businesses will be here um, selling um, different things, food and things of that nature. And um, it's going to be a large celebration to celebrate travel. So we'll also have a Corvette club. We'll be here to represent, you know, the idea of us getting into our cars and going somewhere. <laughs> and um, so that's really neat. It's almost we wanted to bring this street back back to life for this very special traveling exhibit. How lucky are we that we we get to have that sense of community again? You know, finally, mm-hmm. it's been so long. Right. And that's the biggest thing that since we haven't had anything in so long, we we wanted to do something big like this. This exhibit is is one of the biggest exhibits that this institution has ever had, and um, like I said, I'm just I'm just so proud to be able to be curator um, while we have it. Well, I also wanted to talk just because um, I'm I'm so curious in in following this because it is like an ongoing project, but the um, mm-hmm. the COVID in Black uh, project that yes. you're doing up at the uh, Mosaic Templar is just sort of documenting the experience of, of black Americans, not just black Arkansans, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was just wondering how that's going and if you all are still uh, still collecting oh, all, yes. those, all those goodies. Yes, sir, we are still collecting. So if anyone is interested in uh, donating, um, I'll say anything that, that represents COVID, uh, our year of COVID, um, we've, we've gotten masks, um, Statistics. We have um, political signs. We were looking at you know people who are running for office during this time. Um, a lot of information from instructors and educators, and you know pictures from you know students sitting at home and you know doing their work. But anything like I know it sounds like what do you mean anything like anything. Anything that's able to for us to tell the story of COVID in Black, but um, that's a project that, uh, to believe it or not, that project has over right now over a thousand um, artifacts attached to it. <laughs> it's really large. I, I really, I didn't, I don't know when they when they started it because they started this before I got here. I don't know if they actually thought like how big it would be. Um, but it's it's pretty big. It's a pretty large COVID and black collection, and I'm proud of it because we, you know, something that's going under my belt, and um, we are still collecting it. So anyone, looks like anyone, y'all come, just give me a call, we'll take it. Yeah, anyone and anything. I mean, you just anything. <laughs> yeah, like mask or like if you were out protesting, you have anything from that. Um, if you had to go to the hospital, if you have um, like hospital bands, things like that. Anything that can help us tell the story, because we're really big on telling stories and allowing um, the objects that we have um, and the artifacts that we have um, to tell that story. Yeah, and I'm just thinking when you're talking about this, like of the of the Green Book exhibition again. Like, is there anything? Because I mean, you if you're living through a historical historical time, like your uncle probably didn't think his you know smock right. that he wore to change oil was all that important. But now, of course, it's like <laughs> certainly important. Right, and so now it's in the museum, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, was like, I don't think anyone. And I, I was asked that, and they asked me how I felt about, I guess, being a part of the family and about different things. I said, to me, I mean, they're just my family, and I there's so many like there's so many history makers in my family. I really can't name them all, but to me, um, those are the, those are um, the shoulders that I stand upon, and 
every day I had to think about, you know, these are the people who came before me and they paved this way. And of course he didn't think that his um, Exxon, you know, suit would be on display, but it's going to be on display <laughs> and all his pictures will be on display. And I know his children and his grandchildren um, are so honored to have that. And th- they will also be here in attendance with um, on the opening as well. And so I'm just, I'm, I'm happy to tell the story. Cause like I said, there's so many history makers in my family, but this one, I, I couldn't believe it because I, I was running around the shop when I was a kid. <laughs> like, it was just a shop to me. But to think about the history and the significance and the impact that, you know, he had and my aunt um, had and just the family and the business itself has on the North Little Rock community is just something to be so, so very proud of. And I, and I um yeah, so everyone listening, just keep everything, save everything. You never know when it's going to be historically exactly. significant. Exactly, <laughs> and that was the thing we ran into, is that they saved everything from the gas station, but something like really tragic happened to it, but they tried to save it. But So the stuff that they do have, I'm just so honored that I'm able to sneak it in here. I'm like, great, great, give it to me, give it to me. <laughs> give it to me before it goes away. So, yeah, so definitely say, and that's one thing, that I, you know, this in collecting this is even if you think it's not significant, Someone might come around and say, hey, do you have, you know, such and such object or anything like this? And it winds up in a museum. And so that's kind of how these objects winded up over here. I was like, oh, don't you have, you know, something with Exxon or Esso? Don't you have, you know, <laughs> so that's how I have it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's it must have been uh sort of jump-starting your, your interest in history and, and curatorial things at, at an early age, just being being a part of such a, a big family of history makers like that. Yes, it was it was my mother taking us to museums so very often. So I I, I give credit to my mother, um, rest her soul, that she would take us everywhere. And that's another thing I think about traveling. She would put us in a car. She, sometimes she wouldn't even tell us where we were going, and we would go. And she would, you know, take us around the state to different places, museums or parks or things of that nature. And that's what really started my interest in in the museum field going to museums and seeing different things and learning about different things and wanting to know more about it and wanting to, you know, constantly be knowledgeable. And so when going to school, going for public history, which is, you know, presenting history in a public format, whether that is in the museums um, or the archives, um, just being able to tell that story to the public. And so it's, as I said, to me, it's not even about me. (laughs) It's about how the public perceives everything and what they take away from the exhibit. And that's what I'm really really excited to see yeah and i mean just in because you've studied this like is there is there a class in 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 school where they teach you like how do you inspire that that same feeling that you felt as a child like is there one specific hook or something to to get people to have like a lifelong love of of history is there um (laughs) i'm not sure because i mean mine i i like say it comes from the things that I was into as a kid, like I just like learning more. I've always wanted to learn more and more about different things. And so then I, I guess that really led me into history and just wanting to know more and more and more. And my mother just kept providing the books for it. So if I said I liked Egyptology, she was buying Egyptology books. <laughs> when I told her I loved Anastasia, you know, the Russian princess, she was buying books on her oh, yeah. <laughs> so I can learn about it. And so that's that was for me it was my mother constantly putting those things, bringing those things to me and I kept going for it and I was to go into the museum field. I didn't even know you can go to school for this. <laughs> Um, one of my professors in undergrad said, you know, he had a certificate in museum studies. And I said, wow, what's that? 
I said, you can go to school for that? <laughs> so when I started looking up on the Internet, I said, oh, wow, you can actually go to school for that. So I can go to school for something that I actually love to do? I would never work a day in my life. <laughs> I've been here for six months, and, of course, I've been working, but I have not worked because, to me, it's not work. It's something that I love. So it, it's I'm coming here, and I do it. But it's smile on my face because it's something I always wanted to do. My end game was to be a curator at an African-American history museum. And here I am. This is my dream job. So I get to come to my dream job every day. Like, you really can't beat that. was Courtney Bradford, curator at the Mosaic Templars Cultural Center in downtown Little Rock. The Smithsonian's Negro Motorist Green Book exhibit, Traveling Across the Country, is on display at Mosaic Templars until August 1st. Admission is free, but reserving tickets is recommended. And that's our show for this week. Please tune in next week at the same time. I'm Daniel Breen, and the art scene is a presentation of UA Little Rock Public Radio. ¶¶